Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined uh, by Rob Cassidy, who recently just figured out how to work his microphone. Rob, how does it feel to, to be sounding great over there? Yeah, let me go ahead and try to at least defend myself here. You know, in my the other podcast that I hosted before I linked up with you two losers, I, we were in an actual radio studio, so I never had to like figure out the intricacies of microphones. Um, I had no idea that the thing was backwards the entire time. Like I did, I mentioned something that was like, yeah, you know, I'll turn it so I have easier access to the mute button when the fire engines and police trucks start coming by my house. And Nick was like, excuse me, <laughs> you've been using it backwards the entire time. As uh, unfortunately, yes, I have been. Well, and our very, uh, our very, uh, patient audio engineer and Texas analyst, Nick Ruger, Nick has uh, <laughs> very good. All right, <laughs> All right choked. <laughs> Jeez, I, just, I choked over here. I had to mute myself coughing. Yeah, it's, it's all funny. Everybody makes fun of Rob for using the microphone backwards. Well, Nobody dies. I just, pre- I just, <laughs> I just pretended like it cut out. So. <laughs> well, how's it going, Nick? Is it good or bad? Uh, yeah, yeah. It took the pressure off <laughs> me to make a good introduction. Uh, <laughs> from our himself. All right. Oh, so, did you choke on anything in specific, or was it just like well, I was, I've been eat, as you guys have probably heard me crunching in between recordings today. I've been eating these natural almonds, uh, so you know, no salt, no nothing. There's a lot of choking potential, um, so be careful <laughs> yeah. out there. By the way, emerald natural. I was, almonds. I was hoping. Uh, I was hoping it was a grape from the uh, previous episode's rant coming back to get you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy, by the way, I've been back to that store a couple of times and guess who kill, keeps eating grapes and they haven't stopped me. So um, we, we we want to jump right into the picks once we get going here, once I find the correct sheet as I got too many Google Docs open. Last week, once again, I continue. I, basically, I'm so bad at making these picks that if you pick against me, you, you'd be seriously rich. If you just take whatever pick I make and go against it, I went two four and one last week to drop my record to 12 30 and one on the season impressive yeah like i said i could not be that bad if i tried nick last week goes six oh and one in his picks well how do you feel about that nick well it's like you know you you keep talking about going against your own decisions that's exactly what i did last week and look at and look at what happened so so i the proof, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> so Nick's now tw- or the pick. 21, one and one on the season. So right. It's 500, right 500 as you can get. And Rob went five, one and one last week to raise his mark to 28, 14 and one, which is that's huge. That's big money too. So no matter who you go with, you're winning money on this show, right? Well, unless you go with Nick and then you're just trading line. <laughs> <laughs> which you actually uh, uh, would probably be down because you got to bet. Sometimes you got to bet a little more to, uh, to win some money. So anyway, uh, just pick with caution. By the way, I got some tweet. I got some tweets from Miami fans this week, being like, "We showed you." They're like, I ha- I don't care who wins or loses, and I make these picks off the top of my head. So, uh, you didn't show me. I don't care if Notre Dame wins or loses, and I don't care if Miami wins or loses. So you showed nobody. Uh, so, just a disclaimer. For well, we've got we've been picking a ton of games the past few weeks. This week we only have one top twenty-five matchup. Number five, Wisconsin, an eight and a half point favorite. Uh, last time I checked the lines, uh, going I think they're going to Michigan or no, it's a home game. It's a home game. Uh, so Michigan's coming to them, the eight and a half point favorites. Rob, we're going to make you go first. You're the leader. So uh, what do you think? I think that Michigan is number nineteen in the country. <laughs> when did that? <laughs> when did that happen? I think they're eight and two. 
So, all right. I mean, yeah, I guess if they say they're the 19th best team in the country, I, uh, I think Wisconsin's due for kind of an Alabama esque uh, situation where they're going to have to squeak one out. I, I just they're not a good enough team to just blow the doors off of everybody and go undefeated. Uh, I think that Michigan is going to put a scare into them uh, if they don't win outright. So I'll take the the Wolverines who surprised me by being number nineteen. Yeah, I'm going to also take Michigan, even though uh, they've bit me a couple times this year on picks. I just think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think it's going to be like. You know, three yards in a cloud of dust situation. Uh, my high school football coach would be very excited about the game plans coming into this one. Um, you know, big shout, uh, Coach Heckman, who I'm friends with his wife on Facebook still. So, yeah, I'm going to take Michigan as well. Nick, what do you think? Uh, you know, I'm I'm excited you guys both took Michigan because I'm going to take Wisconsin here. Uh, as as everybody knows, I don't really do any um, significant research, but I've got to feel that Wisconsin against the spread has to have a pretty good record this season because every time I listen to another podcast talking about the difference, everybody says the same thing. Uh, the offense isn't good enough, so on and so forth, yet they're constantly getting these 20-point lines that they I feel that they usually have beaten throughout the course of the season. Eight and a half points at home. Uh, I'll take Wisconsin here. All right. Now, it should be noted that Nick has family in Wisconsin, so total homer pick. Uh, <laughs> he left that one out, even though this, I'll tell you what, if you're if you're Michigan, this is not going to be like your normal vacation to Wisconsin. No, <laughs> it's, no it's never. It's ne- <laughs> I have the actual data here on Wisconsin against the spread this year. Would you like to hear it? Yeah, let's see. Let's, let's yes. They are 60%. They're six and four against the spread this year. Okay. Oh, that's pretty I'm good. Glad. I'm yeah, gl- I'd gladly take that percentage. All right. Moving on. I- but I'm saying I'm saying they most of the time they get double di- most of the season they've been double digit favorites. This time just eight and a half points at home. I think it's a lock it up. <laughs> lock of the week for sure. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, we had to pick some bonus games. Pick two more bonus games. West Virginia, three point favorite at Texas. Nick, we're gonna stick with you since you live in Texas. This seems uh, a little fishy. West Virginia has been up and down. Texas has been sneaky. They're winning some games behind the scenes. So, so what do you think, Nick? Uh, I think I'm going to go with West Virginia here, but I don't feel, you know, no, I'm going with Texas. Let's go with Texas. All right, boy, going against our boy, uh, Will Greer. I will go next. And guess what? I'm going to take, I'm going to, well, no, I'm not. I, I said I was never going to take West Virginia again, right, Rob? And you called me on it last time and they lost when I picked them and you told me not to. So I'm going to pick Texas too. The thing about West Virginia is they're just not good. Um, I watched them this week. <laughs> well, it's like I watched the entire game this week and they beat Kansas State. Kansas State is even worse. If they were playing anything resembling a team with athletes, they would have lost that game. I'm on Texas here. I think this line is wacky, which probably tells me that Vegas knows something I don't. West Virginia will probably win by 300. But it just seems like maybe the wrong team is favored here. All right. And last but not least, speaking of wacky, I picked an off-the-wall game. Notre Dame coming back home after taking that beatdown from Miami, uh, which uh, you know showed me, according to my Twitter responses, um, 18 and a half point favorites. Boy, that is a big line. And guess what? I'm gonna, it's my turn to go first, and I'm going to take Navy. I watched them play UCF pretty tough earlier in the year. I think this is going to be another game where both teams are going to just be running the ball nonstop, and 18 and a half is a lot of points. I think uh, coming off that game from against Miami, I think it's a good chance for Navy to cover in this spot. Uh, Rob, what do you think? 
Uh, give me the Naval Academy as well, man. I, for almost all the same reasons uh, you picked them. I also watched them against UCF, who I think is probably better than Notre Dame. Um, yeah, I, I you know I'm with the, I'm with the Academy here. Yeah, Nick, what do you think? Let's circle those destroyers, boys. <laughs> Navy to cover 18 and a half. They can do it. I was trying to think of it. There used to be this battleship commercial I used to quote all the time, but I can't I can't remember it right now. I think it was the one for the board game. Yeah, yeah. It was like a battleship board game commercial. I was like, someone I can't sunk my battleship. Yeah, I think that might have been a catch it was a it was a catchphrase by a bad child actor. Yeah, the catchphrase is you sunk my battleship. That's how it's always been. You just sunk my battleship? That's what it is? No, it's just you sunk my battleship. Oh, okay. All right. No. Boy, what a game. Like <laughs> now kids. They have it in bars. I've played that recently in a bar where like some of these like uh more mellow bars where they get on you if you talk too loud, they have board games. And Battleship is like one of these, you know, it's like one of the staples for the hipster dive bar. Mm, well, they don't have bars where if you talk too loud, they get mad in Atlanta because <laughs> that wouldn't, fly, that would not fly in this city where we like to talk real loud all the time. So um, that's it. Now, I, I do want to briefly touch on the college football playoff. We don't talk about it most weeks because we record on Tuesday and the, the rankings come out Tuesday night. I don't think any of us feel too passionately about it outside of Rob and I thinking that UCF should be above number 18 and i would hope i would like to think they crack the 10 range this week what do you think rob uh, they should be about 17 spots above number 18 in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah you know what you'd hope so i mean i i just think they're just a blast to watch and the offense is fun and it's just you know they're probably not a top four team in the country objectively but you know as far as you know they've won a lot of money for one of my very good friends this year and they're fun to watch yeah, I don't think they should be in the top four by any means, or maybe even. But at this point, when you're nine and zero or whatever, you should be in the top. Uh, you should be in the top ten, I think. So anyway, moving on, uh, we we want to talk about Miami. We touched a little bit on it. Boy, it was a beat them down situation as it became apparent on the concourse and on the field. Right? <laughs> well, Miami took the L on the concourse, as you can read about in Rob's column. And uh, I think, did it make it through? Did we find, we won't know till tomorrow, right? It did not get returned to Sendered. So okay. it seems like it's going to make it through. All right. So, uh, and, and Miami laid the beat down on the field. Uh, it was, it was pretty impressive, especially considering people forget that Miami's without, you know, essentially their star player in Mark Walton. Um, so we wanted to kind of spin it, Rob, the Miami fans love this show. They, they are big, big audience for us. So we, Pretty much their class in, in 2018 is almost finished. We'll talk about Jaron Williams with uh, Quincy Avery later in the show. So that may be the biggest player they can steal late. But what's your take on the impact, especially coinciding with Florida State and Florida being down? I mean, could we see Miami, you know, have one of those classes maybe in 2019 that, that is, a, you know, top 10, top five in the country? I, I mean, if you look at it objectively and you remove yourself from the situation, there's no reason why they shouldn't. It's have another one of these runs. When we entered the season, my line of thinking was Miami's off to a great start. If they can just hold it together and be okay on the field and not, you know, win six or seven games and that's it, then they're gonna they're gonna land this class and they'll have some momentum going forward. We did not think that Florida State would turn into, you know, Coastal Carolina. We did not think that Florida would turn into Temple or whatever's happened here and that Miami would be undefeated and looking like a pretty good bet to go to the playoff. This is the perfect storm for them. This is, you know, they've already kind of got South Florida unlocked in this class. They've gotten every top player they've wanted out of, you know, the, the backyard, you know, what they call the Tri-County area where you go with Palm Beach, Broward, Dade, they're killing it there. Now with Florida State, 
in disarray and Florida in the market for a new coach, this pushes north probably. Uh, they are the marquee team in the state right now. And you can say what you want about history and recent history, but you know, the proof is not in the recruiting rankings and in the actual college football rankings. They're you know, they're the best team in the state. It's gonna spread, and you already start to hear it from people in the Tampa area. Everybody wants to go to Miami. Uh, the turnover chain is all over TV. They're somehow become like the brand too. Outside of just, you know, the results, they're kind of the cool brand in Florida right now and nationally. Uh, I think you're gonna see this spread outside of the state of Florida, and I think maybe. It sounds crazy to say as good as this class is, but I don't think it's going to be peculiar. And I, I think it's, I don't think it's insane to think that they could get an even better class in the next coming years. Everything is just lined up so perfectly for them. And it hasn't all been luck, but it's been the right mix of a new recruiting strategy by Mark Richt, more personal attention and a little bit of luck with, you know, kind of their rivals falling into disarray at the same time. They're really set up, man. Yeah. And it's, it, you mentioned the turnover chain. It gets, it's getting a lot of pub and, Unfortunately, a bunch of old white dudes like us are talking about it, which affects its coolness. Uh, as I hear, you know, several sports writers across the country talking about it, but it it affects its coolness definitely, and it's we're tired of it. But you have to think there's another subset of recruits, and we talk about this with Gruden too, that don't sit on Twitter all day like losers, like we do, that probably aren't oversaturated with it and think, man, that thing is awesome, and this whole and it's just so Miami in it. It really wraps up everything that, you know, the Miami swag and all of that is about and was about. Uh, I think it really appeals to these guys. Well, and and give Mark Richt a lot of credit. He played there and it was in, you know, that was in the early 80s. But, he, you know, he's a Florida guy. He's kind of got, that's what he, when he wears that uh, that big hat like Nick, Nick has one of. I'm not sure exactly how to describe it when he's out on the practice field. But he's got that laid back Florida vibe that that people respond to that sort of you know there's plenty of dudes that look like mark rick especially because he's he's much more tan since he's been down there there are guys that look like him hanging out on the beach in miami like you know with their shirt off you know 24 7 essentially he fits the mold he's he seems like he's laid back he's loving life down there and being authentic is something that you can't fake obviously and that's something that you know appeals to recruits right away and it appeals to former players they like him he, he's in you know he's in with uncle luke he's in with you know michael irvin all these guys are coming back he's invited him back he's a miami guy and this is sometimes where we see coaches you know michigan has done it before where we need a michigan man you know and it, it it works i mean there's a reason that at some places you have to have a guy with ties to the program because you can't works under some circumstances i think i, I don't think it's as important all the time. I think in Miami's case, it was a, because he does look the part that's, I guess, part of it. I think the larger part of it is that he gets the culture and he gets what made Miami cool in the first place, right? Because he was there. Uh, so he's, he has a lot easier time kind of understanding what it was that kind of, they, they caught lightning in the bottle the first time uh, and then doing it again. And I think that if you bring in a guy, you know, no matter how good of a coach he is, let's just use John Gruden as an example. Everybody loves John Gruden. He was never going to coach in college football again. But even if you hire a guy like him at Miami, he doesn't know way. He, he doesn't understand the culture there. He doesn't understand how it happened the first time because he wasn't there. Uh, Mark Richt was there on the inside. Can kind of, you know, in some ways you have to change it because it's 2017 and, you know, the world changes, but you can kind of use, you know, some of those bullet points from the first time around if you lived it. Uh, and if you lived it, you know how to sell it. And, you know, now we sell it. Well, think about it. We went from a dude who dressed like a used car salesman on the sideline <laughs> to, I mean, think about it. Maybe you'd see the kids in the stands and they'd have a shirt and tie on and be like, oh, they're dressed like Al Golden. 
And now you've got the entire stadium wearing gold chains and, and you know, having a great time. That's what Miami's all about. And that's yeah, what's more that's, appealing that's to you. That's how you overtake. I mean, we saw we've seen Florida State coaches popping off on Twitter for years about how they live in they live in South Florida and they can get whoever they want. Well, guess what? Those days are over, man. As long as Miami's winning like this, uh, I think, you know, Florida State's gonna have to be in a lot more battles and it's not gonna be just a slam dunk for them and the and Alabama, was, whoever to go get there and get players. I was at a Knicks game on Saturday night during this game and I was watching on my phone and the people directly in front of us who I have to guess had never been to Miami, the entire topic of conversation was not only the game against Notre Dame, but Miami in general. And they're talking about specific players on this team. And that's how I know it's like, all right, I'm, I'm sitting at Madison Square Garden and all the buzz right now is about Miami. Like, all right, this is <laughs> this is a real thing now. Right, they're talking about Braxton Berrios and how he was accurately ranked by me. Right, that was was of course I inserted myself right into that conversation, as you can imagine. Yeah, (laughs) as you've been known to do. All right, uh, moving on. We want to talk a little bit about Chip Kelly now. uh, A week to ten days ago, it was a done deal. Scott Frost was hired by Florida. I'm pretty sure. I think I missed a press conference. Every fan base on Rivals.com message boards was like, "Well, Frost is off the board. It's a done deal to to the Gators." Okay, well now I guess Chip, now it's a done deal with Chip Kelly. Even though we got a, we got, I believe we had one tweet that said the Gators were vetting Chip Kelly. I'm not sure, you know, what there is to vet about him. The question is, is he the fit number one? Which I think, you know, schematically he can coach anywhere. He went, you know, he went to Oregon and and we saw what he did there. The, can he recruit? Is the question. We know. Uh, you know, Nick's friend of the show, Willie Lyles, and him got into some trouble <laughs> with the NCAA late in late in the process there at Oregon, which you know got him an eighteen month penalty. Is that even that big of a deal? The penalty's over. He's going to come into he's going to come into Florida, and he clearly knows how to make relationships. You don't just you don't just you know become friends with Willie Lyles and, and guys like that by accident. Every coach, you know, how many coaches think deal with Willie Lyles now? Several of them. So. I guess we'll start with you, Rob. Uh, what do you think? Is he the personality? I mean, he he is not a he's a, he's the opposite of Mark Rick. He's a northeastern guy, talks fast, likes to do things fast. How do you think he would fit at Florida? I've never met Chip Kelly, so I kind of hesitate on you know is he the fit? I guess the questions are: Does the offense that worked at Oregon years ago? work still because you know at the time it was a revolutionary right it was like this big revolutionary offense these days it's just an offense it's normal uh so that would be one worry and the other worry would be does he know how to recruit the south which his relationship with willie lyle suggests that maybe he does know how to <laughs> maybe he does not recruit the south uh i think he's i mean if he's gonna if he's the same guy that he was at oregon i think he's willing to learn how to operate down here uh, you've been around here a long time you know it's a little bit different you know you're not recruiting it's different to recruit the illinois area or the ohio area than it is to recruit florida it's you got to know a lot of different kinds of people there are a lot of you know there are a lot of seven on seven coaches and a lot of trainers that you need to know and a lot of that goes through them you know rightly or wrongly no matter how you feel about that it's not so much the high school coach controls the recruiting culture as it is where our friend nick lives uh so it's a different it's a different world down here as far as recruiting goes. And if he's willing to do it, I think he has the personality to do it. Uh, but those are the only two hesitations I would have is that, and you know, is the offense still revolutionary enough to shock people? And I think the answer to that is probably no, but I don't think that necessarily disqualifies him from being a good coach. Well, I think, I think the thing that doesn't get talked about with him enough is when he was at New Hampshire, I believe which is where he was before. And they were like a pass heavy team. I think he sort of stalled out in the NFL and it, it came because, 
you know, of the limited bodies. I mean, you, you, instead of, you know, one of the things when he was at Oregon was, oh man, they played 78 guys in this game. They have shifts. So they move guys in, you know, it, they, they, they have 70 players they think could play every game, but you can't do that in the NFL. So his hurry up offense ended up wearing out the defense. It just, it just didn't work. Obviously we saw it, it, it fall apart the last few years. I think he can adjust. I think he can go into college. I mean, Gus Malzahn is still having success with his offense. They're ranked in the top 10. Who knows how high they'll be. But, I mean, and if, and if they make the playoff or whatever, you know, but he's still having success. And that's essentially, you know, a lot of the same offensive principles there. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think he could fit there. I don't, I don't know if – I don't know if the culture fit is, is what I worry about. I just think, you know, Chip say, I want to – you know, I love – I love football. I'm a football guy. I don't want to go talk to the to the alumni. That was one of the thing problems he ran in at Oregon. He didn't want to meet with boosters. He didn't want to go to you know a lot of these speaking engagements and stuff like that. We know in the South, uh, as Rob and I have found out, they don't you know necessarily like these Yankees who come down here and start telling them about football. So <laughs> it uh, it's tough to crack in there. But I, I think he could do it. So he, he gets a. Uh, he gets my seal of approval, I guess, anyway. Craig, what's your take on all this, my man? You've been sitting over there rather quietly. <laughs> I think uh, I think fundamentally, uh, the thing, the things that Chip Kelly would be brought in to do are the sort of things that Florida really needs a, a big assist in. And I think even if he's not known for uh, a lot of a lot of personal relationships with boosters, coaches, things of that nature, I think like if he had just like one banquet at the beginning of the year, people would be falling over themselves to to show up shake his hand and get involved with them. Like, I think that stuff would come to him because it's really been crazy that even though he's been out of college football and kind of, you know, started out well in the NFL and then it was, a, you know, a steady decline, you know, from that first good season that he had, he still has managed to keep some kind of like, you know, really strong reputation that he he could come in and, and be a successful uh, college football coach still. In fact, I you know, I kind of feel like in some ways his reputation is, is even grown. Uh, you know, I, I think there's just some level of nostalgia with what he was able to do in Oregon that people are, uh, you know, continuing to hold on to. So I think, but but when you look at what Florida is kind, of, and and I haven't been watching him as closely as you guys have, but I think traditionally when you look at what Florida's shortcomings have been, I think offensively it's been consistent and good quarterback play and speed on offense, which is you know a pace of play on offense, which, which are the two hallmarks of what Chip Kelly does, and in Florida. You ought to be able to find the guys that can remedy those things that have been lacking, and so so I think, it, assuming that he could, assuming that he would get hired and could kind of you know get his legs underneath him and put together a staff and you know uh, be in that situation, he would have the tools at his disposal. I think to to be a successful coach there. So there you have it. The eyes have it. We're we're ready to hire him. So <laughs> imagine how much Nick Saban would hate him. Just because of the way he is and the way he's offense runs, you've heard Nick cry about pace of play before, and just you know the way he acts, it would be a great rivalry. I would love nothing more than for Chip Kelly to come into Gainesville, make Florida good, and then him and, him and save it. Just have a war of words in the media. We never got Oregon, Alabama, the national championship game because one of them would lose every year. Even you know the year we had we had Ohio State, Oregon, we had Auburn, Oregon. Those could have easily been had Alabama won the, uh, you know, I think that was the, the crazy game against Cam Newton where they where Cam let him back to 
to beat. I mean, had they hung on and won that game, they would have been playing Oregon in the national championship. And then once again, uh, you know, in the, in the year they played Ohio state. So we, we, we want to, we want, we want that matchup. So that would be fun too, to have that on a yearly basis, have them at SEC media days and, and stuff like that. Even though I think Saban's budged off of his pace, uh, concerns a little bit uh, now that they can. yeah the only reason is because they're starting to play a little bit faster it's funny funny how that works you right know? exactly all right so we want to move on we've got a lengthy interview this week with Quincy Avery quarterback guru so uh, let's go ahead and and uh, ro- roll that here and then he had a lot of interesting things to say about Tennessee and Kentucky and uh, Jaron Williams as well so uh, take it away Woody all right now to talk about uh, the Butch Jones situation at Tennessee. Obviously, we've touched on this a lot. We bring in a special guest, uh, quarterback uh, guru or whatever. What, what do you call yourself, uh, Quincy? A quarterback engineer, I think, right? Yeah, I'm a quarterback engineer. I'm, I'm going to stick away from the guru title. Okay, so he's a quarterback engineer. He works out with me once a month at, uh, with Mr. Shut Up and Train. <laughs> Man, I love how you got that, Ann. It's like, ladies and gentlemen, I also work out. <laughs> well, Quincy's in much better shape than me. That may come as a shock to uh, some people out there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so so let's let's start out. Uh, let's talk about Butch. Quincy, you went round and round with Tennessee fans on Twitter for the better part of two years. Uh, you were never a big fan of Butch. What do you think? Why was explain to us why you never thought he was going to succeed, and and what you thought as things kind of unraveled this season. Well, just watching Butch, just who he is as kind of a person, let me know that I didn't think he was going to be successful as a, as a head coach. He just doesn't take any accountability for anything that he does or anything that goes on in the program. It's a lot of blame passing, and I don't think anybody can be successful like that. And he coached with lemon booty, so he was scared to do anything wrong the whole time. And if you coach scared, it kind of rubs off on your team, and, and we got to see that. Yeah, we, we did see – I guess the the two seasons where they had the most success was mainly with with Josh running a lot. Uh, and I remember when he was a high school player, I mean, he ran a little bit, but he was known for his ability to pass. I mean, this is a guy that Arizona State wanted to to uh, sign, and they had him committed, and, and Josh flipped late. What did you think of uh, – because you would see Josh in the offseason. What did you think of his development there, and, and do you think there was some stuff maybe that – was left on the table considering, you know, preparing him for the NFL and stuff like that? Oh, 100%. I think the passing game was so limited, and it, it was limited in fact that they didn't open up the playbook at all, opening down, like first down, early in the offense. It was always run, 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 pass. So he was always, like, playing behind the sticks. He's in third and long all the time. So just to be a successful passer like that is very, very difficult. And then not only that, but the passing schemes were so archaic like there was no creativity it's just very difficult for him to really be successful and then you he has to start doing things with his legs and he's not a running quarterback so to speak like he wants to throw the football um but he really wasn't given that opportunity uh to make big plays with his arm i don't know how much yeah. you talked to him there in the offseason i was always kind of curious about there like between his years at tennessee did you ever get the sense that he was frustrated by the way the playbook kind of sat in the, the, the way that he was calling games I hate to talk to Josh, but that's the impression that I got. Because um, we would go through the tape all the time. And I'd kind of be like, what are we doing here? It's like, I don't know. I'm just running what they call. So he never came out and told me that, you know, I can't stand it. But when we talked, I left with the vibe that he knew that he was put in bad situations and he had to fix it. And oftentimes he did. 
Uh, we got to see big games like the Florida game last year where they're down bad. And in the second half, he's like, all right, I'll let you throw it. And then you get to see how successful he was as a, as a passer. Um, it's just like, why did it have to come down to situations like that where you're just throwing it out of uh, being in a tough situation? Yeah, and we sort of saw it spill into recruiting now because you know, one of the reasons they're struggling this season, they don't have any good receivers. And I mean, uh, and I think part of that is because you saw guys like Josh Malone who went in there as a five-star and, you know, he had a productive year in his in his last year. But, you know, you're talking about a guy who had less than 50 catches and, and, and almost had a thousand yards basically because, you know, they would just let him run deep and throw the ball. There were, as, as Quincy mentioned, there were some some issues with the passing game. He ended up leaving. Preston Williams obviously was a was a total uh, bust in terms of his time there. And after after that, they haven't signed any high profile wide receivers. They signed some four star guys at the back end of the two fifty, and and we just haven't seen a ton of production. Uh, Quincy, do you think? I mean, Dobbs was an exciting play. I think I saw other quarterbacks like him uh, in terms of you know on on Twitter some of the recruits talking about you know, him as a playmaker. But do you think that? the lack of development sort of hurt uh, or the lack of a passing game hurt them with guys like Trevor Lawrence and Emory Jones, who who you work with as well, who at, at one point Emory told me I'm committing to Tennessee tomorrow. And then Urban Meyer talked him out of it. Do you think it, do you think that hurt them with, with guys like that? Oh, undoubtedly when Emory was kind of in that whole, yeah, I'm committing to Tennessee. I said, Emory, wait, let's slow down. Let's just watch some tape. Um, and as he got a chance to really watch the tape and see what was going on, he's like, I'm not going to Tennessee. But they've done such a poor job with the receivers in general, just developing those guys. See a guy like Vic Warden, who was like left to the wayside and couldn't wait to get out of there. And now he's making plays at Cal. You got a guy like Marquez North, who ends up leaving after his junior year with like seven catches. He's like, I just don't want to be around Butch Jones anymore. So you like literally that's what's going on in their program. Guys are running to get out of there at the first chance they get. So when kids start hearing things like that going on, it's really tough to get a big receiver to go in there. And who wants to go to a program that's running a like a quasi spread, but they're not really throwing the football and they're just a glorified blocker, and then you get maybe three chances again to catch the ball. I think I'm gonna take a hard pass in that one, bro. I think people and fans especially that aren't as tied into this or as close to this stuff as we are. They underestimate how quickly word spreads on things. Uh, you know, you get a couple unhappy players in your program, especially at one position. Uh, when you're even when you're at a place like Tennessee, uh, that stuff gets around quickly. <laughs> and you know, you see it, it's not just Tennessee. You see this happen all over the place. I'm, I mean, you got to see like there's guys in text groups. Like I'll be in a text group with 15 college quarterbacks or 25 high school quarterbacks. They're all getting recruited by the same schools. So it comes down to everything. Like when a coach calls and tells two quarterbacks he's recruiting the same thing. It's like a LOL. I can't believe this coach just told me this. I know he told you that yesterday. These kids, it's with like the rivals camps and all these things going on where all these kids get to meet each other at a young age. Um, the information is shared so quickly. Like it's just hard to keep anything a secret. So you've got to be really transparent and do what you say you're going to do. Yeah, we have, we've talked about that before where coaches will tell tell two kids the same thing back-to-back days and think that they're somehow not going to tell each other when they're both, you know, elite players who who, who see each other quite a bit. Um, you know, Rob and I have been talking a lot, uh, you know, off the air as we work on some of these articles about replacements and who who's realistic. And the guy we hear, you know, Tennessee fans pine after is John Gruden. And Rob and I uh, and, and Nick have discussed on here that we have some concerns as to whether he's the guy you really want to go after and throw all that money after, considering he's been 
out of college for a long time and out of coaching for about 10 years. What do you think the reaction would be to kids and how much do you think they actually know who John Gruden is? Because Rob and I continue to contend that these kids, you know, we have to remember they were born a year or two before he won the Super Bowl in Tampa. So, so what do you think their reaction would be? And what do you think of him as a potential coach there at Tennessee? I don't think the reaction from the high school kids would be at all what people think it would be. Like kids don't care. Like they want to see somebody throwing the football. And then when teams start recruiting against Tennessee, it'll be like, okay, he might've coached the NFL, but let's look at how he passed the ball. It wasn't great. Like the last couple of years with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's not like he's killing in the playoffs. So they have actual data to go back and show him, like, he's not a guy who's going to throw the football. And then recruiting. Can, can you imagine John Gruden, as much as he knows about football and as smart as he is, going in and recruiting a 17-year-old kid from South Atlanta? Uh, I think he's going to struggle a little bit there. And that, that's just my opinion. I think John Gruden's probably the best coach out there, X knows-wise. But there's so much that goes into uh, getting a fan base around you. And at a place like Tennessee, they want a charismatic coach. John Gruden's not that. He's like an old salty dog. Like he's gonna talk about ball, but he's not gonna be loving up on a high school kid, getting in the community and texting with these high school coaches and the high school trainers and all that stuff. I don't think he's gonna be living that kind of life. That was always my question on the other end too. Why would he want to do it? I mean, he's a guy that we assume could get an NFL job if he wanted to, right? Uh, some NFL job, and that won't, <laughs> you know, that won't introduce him to a whole new world. It's not like John Gruden has this lavish background as a college coach before he was in the NFL. He's kind of an NFL guy. He's not. I don't know why you would want to go in and add something else to your job description that you've really never done for less money. Uh, I, I just for don't understand money, it. Less money, and it's a lot less cooler than working at ESPN and only having to work a couple days a week and then call a football game. And everybody loves him doing that. He does such a good job. I, it just literally makes zero sense for him to want to go to the University of Tennessee. Um, it's like no benefit. You get paid less, more stress, and you don't get to work with kids as much. So what makes John Gruden so good as a coach is that he can add all this stuff, but you only have 20 hours a week to work with the college college kids. And they're not going to be able to pick up all the things that he's asking them to do as a coach in 20 hours. Yeah, we saw when he was in the NFL, he, the way he went through quarterbacks. I mean, there were there were guys coming and going. He was trying to get yeah, – I think he – I remember he traded for Jake Plummer when he was retired and tried to talk him out of it, I think. I mean, there was he, – he was trying to do anything to get as many bodies in there as he could so he could have as many options at quarterback. That's not going to fly either uh, at a school where, you know, we see – quarterbacks transferring almost year in year out because they're not playing and then he would be yo-yoing guys and I I don't know I mean it could I could see a scenario where it works out I'm just you know I think we all share the opinion that we're a little dubious of as to why he would do it and and what the fit would be um, there's a lot of stuff on our Tennessee site ballquest.com today talking about that he's a candidate perhaps for Tampa Bay if they were to uh, fire Dirk Cutter that maybe they bring him back to be the head coach and I think that would be a situation where he would much prefer that over over going to college. Um, so Quincy, who do you think sh- they should go after? I mean, we've seen we've seen these lists, we've seen these names. I went back yesterday and looked at some of the names when they hired Butch Jones that they were going after. I mean, people were talking about Jimbo Fisher and Davo Sweeney and stuff like that at the initial thing. So a lot of these names we see thrown out initially never end up panning out. But who do you think would be a guy that would be a good fit there? especially from a, not just an X's and O's standpoint, but um, being able to recruit the South. I think Norvell would be somebody who would fit really well at the University of Tennessee. He's charismatic. 
kids always love him. Um, and he has an exciting style of football. Like, he's going to throw the ball around, and that's what guys want to see. He runs it enough, and he's going to win some games. Uh, that would be my first – or one of my top choices, like realistic choices, if I was a Tennessee fan. Um, I keep hearing about Dan Mullen. Why does Dan Mullen want to leave Mississippi State? Like, if I win eight games in Mississippi State, everybody loves me. I get paid well, and I'll have a job for a very long time. If I win eight games at Tennessee, three years in, I'm about to get out of there. So um, I'm really thinking that someone like Norvell would be the guy that they want. Scott Frost is also a great name. Yeah, I don't think they I mean, can get Frost. I yeah, mean, Frost to Nebraska, right? That's we've we've all got to at least think that's going to happen, right? I mean, if you played quarterback at, at a school, I just think Frost. Yeah, they they'd be down the Tennessee would be down his pecking order personally. If you've got Florida, whether they hired Chip Kelly or not, or you've got Nebraska or some of these other jobs that are coming, even even Texas A and M. I mean, why wouldn't they hire a guy like Frost? He could come in there with the weapons they have and and sort of take things take things off right away. So. We'll see what happens. We'll continue to watch it play out. We also want to talk to you about Jaron Williams. Uh, he's one of the quarterbacks you work with here in Atlanta. We've talked about him a lot on the show. Uh, Kentucky fans, you know, they just can't catch a break. Last year, they saw Alabama swoop in and and take Mac Jones away from them uh, later on in the process, and they were kind of left scrambling to go after other guys. Jaron decommitted once, kind of tested the waters, jumped back in, and now he goes down to Miami for an official visit, and, and he obviously loved it down there. I'm sure that was a crazy atmosphere. So what have the conversations been like with him, and what do you think was the best fit for him, and how, how tough was it for him to back off that pledge to Kentucky, considering they're one of the first schools to go after him? I think it's really tough, and, and but Jaren's developed so much as a football player, like from right now to where he was maybe two years ago. And I'm sure you've seen it, just how he throws, his ability to command the offense, all those things. Um, so it's exciting to see his progression, but it was really, really tough for him. He decommitted the first time, and I think he was okay with that. Um, but then he got pressured really, really tough to commit again. And I'm like, so it's tough when he commits and then no one gets a chance to be like, hey, slow down a little bit. I don't think you need to commit yet. Um, but then he's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm there. And then he gets to watch his season, right? So as a quarterback, like we talked about even at Tennessee, you want to go somewhere where you're going to be very successful and you see them doing the things that you want to do as a quarterback. And you watch Kentucky and you don't see that. So why should he stay committed? Um, and, I, and I had to have a conversation with him that was very honest. Like, if Stoops get a, gets a better job tomorrow, you think he's going to leave? It's like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure he would. So if you have a better opportunity somewhere you can go make a real impact on a great team, you need to do what's best for you and your family. I don't care if you committed three times to the University of Kentucky. Like, you need to go what's best for you. Um, but I would love to see him play at Miami under Coach Rick and the things that they do as an offense. Uh, I know Auburn has been on them tough. Um, in Ohio State as well. Yeah, so so is he? He you th- you think he's going to play it out a little longer and take those other trips? Because you know Miami fans were hoping that they did enough maybe uh, with that win to to get him to to cancel those other visits. Uh, I, based on my conversation with the last couple of days, he's going to take his his next couple of visits and then be able to make a decision after that. Uh, I just told him you didn't need to do anything in haste. Like, make sure whatever you do this time is you know what you're going to do because he's going to be an early enrollee. You know, get to school somewhere and get started in the spring. So want to make sure everything's together on that end and then uh, go from there. But I know for a fact he loved the University of Miami. While we have you, I wanted to ask you one other thing off topic that kind of goes along with this early enrollee stuff. The sense that you get – we've obviously never seen this early signing period before that's coming up. The sense that you get from the guys that you work with and the guys that you know are a lot of them 
going to be pressured to sign in this thing? And if they don't, told to hit the road? I mean, how is this going to – what do you think is going to happen here? Do you think we're going to see half this class sign, the guys that are committed, or is it going to be chaos? I think it's going to be a big-time pressure situation. Like all the kids that I know, their coaches are pushing them super hard to get signed early. Um, and I even know about coaching staffs are doing things like, okay, I'm going to pressure this kid to sign early, and then after that I can get a second guy at this position. So I don't think – people know like all the ramifications of this early signing day. Like there's a lot of guys who might end up somewhere with two quarterbacks or it would have just been one had it been a traditional um, signing period. So it makes me a little bit nervous, um, but it's definitely going to be some chaos. I'm just trying to look at the landscape before everything plays out because uh, I, I don't know if everybody's thinking about it in terms of what all it does to the players uh, and how they're going to be affected by it. Yeah, the, the players often the last people thought about uh, when it comes to these rule changes. Do you do you anticipate? I mean, we we're, we know we're going to see a ton of assistant coach changes. How many kids do we you think sign that then try to get out? I mean, as far as I know, there's not a provision like there is uh, in basketball sometimes where they can get out of or basketball schools tend to release kids if they ask. How many kids do you think are going to be getting held hostage in January who want to leave? or go elsewhere because their offensive coordinator left or their quarterback coach or something like that. Do you think that's going to be an issue as well? A ton. It's going to be just like like when we saw what happened with uh, Jared Stidham, where he signs based on the offensive coordinator. He's like, yeah, I'm definitely going to be here. And then the day after he signs, he's out of there. So, I mean, things like that are going to continue to happen. I think it's only going to be worse because um, it's going to be a head coach pressuring some guy. He's getting ready to leave anyway. Like, hey, just make sure you get this guy in the early signing day period. Then you can do whatever you want and go recruit at your next school before the next signing day. Um, so I think it's going to be it's going to be tough because no one cares about the kids. Like, we can say whatever we want. They're student athletes. This that, and the third. Um, but at the end of the day, the schools just see them as athletes, and they're going to take advantage of them as much as they can. Um, before their time's up playing football. There's literally no way. If I was a kid with options, like a top 100 player that I would sign during signing, there's no way. that There's no benefit to it for me. I mean, what, what do I accomplish? Uh, except if I'm an early enrollee by signing early. Nothing. It, it helps everyone else except for me. Yeah, it's just like bad in principle. <laughs> <laughs> well, no way, no better way for us to end it than you saying this, that, and the third, Quincy. That is a uh, Atlanta staple that uh, Nick and I use when we go around the country and people laugh at us all the time. So uh, I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad you dropped that one in for us. If you want to reach out to Quincy and yell at him for anything he said on the show, you can find him on Twitter at Quincy underscore Avery. And Quincy, you, you got all kinds of uh, – interesting stuff going on in your Twitter all the time. So I, I really enjoy it. Uh, we obviously have a great time. We, we didn't even get to talk about our boy yeah, at Duke. Quincy and I are always railing on the Duke coach together. <laughs> if we ever have like five minutes where you guys are just bored and want to talk about, what is it, Duke Coach Jones? He blocked me. <laughs> He's blocked me too. I'd like to have him on and make fun of him. <laughs> well, no, no, let, let's get him on. I'm, I might add another additional Twitter handle just so I can start tweeting him again. Uh, but he's a real clown. If there's a one clown in college football – He's he's like 1A, Butch Jones 1B. <laughs> Thanks a lot for joining us, Quincy. We'll be sure to have you back uh, where we can almost get uh, – you can almost get us fired talking about <laughs> other college coaches. All right, great conversation with Quincy. Uh, boy, all types of inflammatory comments. So 
let's jump right in. We we wanted to do a I wanted to do another segment. It got cut by these two. <laughs> these two not thinking it's funny as we got a million reply all emails yesterday uh, as part of it's not it's not that it's we don't think it's funny or at least my case. I mean Nick might not think it's funny. It could be funny. It's just that we're like you know we're pressed for time here, and I don't know if anybody wants the end of this podcast to be you reading them an email that says take me off the list. Okay. Let's go ahead and jump into tweet of the week. You better hope that mediocre money that you make at Rivals is good enough for you for the rest of your life. Nick, you've got this week's tweet. I do not know what it is, so uh, so go ahead. Take it away. So anyway, this is a, this is a, a tweet and a response uh, from two people I have no idea with. It was just some retweet from one of the, one of the recruits. Uh, but basically, uh, Ash from the handle Ashcam says guys only literally only want one thing and it's effing disgusting and the response <laughs> the response uh from somebody is just uh, a picture of ncaa football 18 <laughs> with sam darnold on the cover <laughs> yeah boy that is a good one i would love boy how much would you guys love to have ncaa football right now i'll, t- I'll tell you what sam darnold wouldn't be on the cover of that game well, I wouldn't be on this podcast right yeah. now. If we had yeah, it, we'd so. be we'd be recording ourselves playing the game with Nick and I cussing at each other until Nick's brother takes the game out and breaks it. <laughs> <laughs> I really, you know, I'm not much of a gamer. I I have not played a new video game in a very long time, but I would sit down and play with Nick's brother and watch him shatter <laughs> shattering. <laughs> All right, moving on. I actually have this is a Facebook post from our boy M Deuce. Who would have thought, right? So, so we have uh, Delish, which I, what is it, Rob? Like a food blog? I'm not, I'm not familiar. Yeah, I think it's like a food, a food blog. So, my entire Facebook feed, by the way, now is just those camera shooting over the top of bowls, sped up really fast, while it's people making stuff. That's all my Facebook is. That and and uh, pictures of uh, you know political leaders that have been photoshopped and people thinking they're real. <laughs> So, so hold on. Is it not a thing anymore? I, I've been gone for so long where it's just like when I left, half of my Facebook feed was just like stay at home dads and moms trying to sell things to their friends. Uh, that like, comes in. This yeah, that comes in a little bit too. You know, uh, I, I was going to name a company. I will not. <laughs> anyway, so so these food things come through a lot. You know, oh man, boy, I can't wait to make this, you know, no bake, you know, coconut brownies or whatever. So, so this one comes through, and it's it's from Delish, and it says, "Did you know you can turn your eggplant into bacon? You do now. Full recipe with the link, right? <laughs> it's got a picture of eggplants with like olive oil on it, basically. <laughs> the only way you, anyone ever eats eggplant uh, in terms of uh, just by itself. And our boy M Deuce is the first comment on this thing, which has eight thousand comments, right?" And it says, hashtag fake news, which really, really made me laugh at the time I read it. So big shout to M. Deuce. Everyone's seeing your – I thought he'd have more likes. I was the only person who liked it. So go out and show a boy some love if you're reading uh, Delish. I also want to give a quick shout out. Speaking of not having anything ready, uh, we've all been suffering through this issue where we type I on the iPhone and it comes up as this A with the – with the box question mark thing, right? You guys have all had that. Not me. What do you mean, not you? I don't do iPhone mm-hmm. updates. Whatever, whatever I get like on my phone is what I use forever. Like I'm not doing that. I don't play that game. I don't update my operating system. I don't mess with stuff. 
Yeah, for, this is for the person who then calls me and be like, "Hey, I don't have Microsoft Office on my computer anymore. <laughs> How do I get it back?" Yahoo. No, Oath Cohen stole Microsoft Office from me. I was working, and a thing just popped up on my screen that's like, "We're taking this off your computer now." I'm with Rob, man. I I don't update anything either. I I hold on to things as long as possible. See? I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for the day when fi- Final Cut Seven is supposed to come off of my uh, of my work computer. I for uh, I want to point out that Kruger mocked my voice there when I first said "not me," only to agree with me. It's <laughs> a contentious episode this week. Um, so anyway, West <laughs> Georgia Water Boy is his name uh, at Sky Underwood S K Y E Underwood, and he sends me a message, uh, you know, unsolicited DM. He slides in the DMs and he says, "Hey, bro." <laughs> wanted to help you fix that little issue you keep having every time you type I on your Apple device, a little square with a question mark appears. It's an Apple glitch and a simple, easy fix. Here's how. And then he sends me six screenshots, step-by-step, basically what I do to Rob and or Nick every time they need help. And he says, you'll get rid of tweets like this. And then he uses one of my tweets. And I said, thanks, man. I've been waiting for a software update. I can't believe it's taking this long. And he says, no problem, bro. So what a guy. Of all the Twitter trolls that I get sending me messages and calling me names, I thought our boy deserved a shout out. Uh, you should send him something. Well, I will I will tell you, he lives in Birmingham and he works for, uh, uh, he has on his Twitter, affordablegaragedoors.com. So if you need an affordable garage door, uh, check <laughs> check out our boy Sky. Uh, he'll, he'll give you a good deal. Just mention this podcast. Uh, there was an unpaid advertisement, by the way. All right, moving on. Yeah, we we also can't guarantee that it'll give you a good deal. He just signed him up as an advertiser without asking him. <laughs> he probably doesn't listen to the podcast. He called me broke. Enter promo code Womack. Listen, we're we're <laughs> well, I almost said enter promo code something else. Nick would have to beat, but we'll leave that to uh, to Nick. So. Uh, he called me bro twice. We're bros, okay? I think he would appreciate me giving him a shout out for his garage door business uh, on on here. So, uh, moving on, time for rants and recommendations. Now, boy, this is an interesting week as we move into uh, holiday time around here. We we want to go ahead and uh, let uh, Rob. Do you got anything? You got any recs? You got any rants? I got nothing, man. No, Nick, I've you got been... nothing either. Uh, okay, no. well, good because I got a lot to talk about. So, as I mentioned with Delish earlier, and, you know, this, obviously there's this, you know, gourmet food culture, foods having a moment, as uh, the millennial media types will tell you. There's food podcasts, and and, and maybe I'm to blame because I've exposed myself to some of this stuff when I should, you know, go back into my hole. But all of a sudden, it's become this trendy thing. And I think, Rob, you could agree with me. I'm sure there's posts on Jezebel or whatever socialist websites you read about uh, <laughs> about things people keep saying oh turkey sucks don't have turkey on thanksgiving it's dry nobody even likes it and then take it a step further i heard someone say oh mashed potatoes are gross too don't have turkey or mashed potatoes what, what, what do you guys think about this what's the take rob i like turkey man uh, i've never I, i'm a anti-ham guy because i think it's kind of slimy so I'm, i've always been a turkey a turkey believer i i don't like ham so i guess i can't relate here well that's what i'm saying why do you have to i'm a big fan of smoked turkey it's really yeah, good you, you like smoking all types of stuff from what i <laughs> <laughs> um 
What? It's too dry. Oh, they're like, oh, you don't even like turkey. You just like the gravy. Guess what? I will take a whole turkey. I'll eat the whole thing plain to the to the first person that wants to challenge me. Okay. You'll eat an entire turkey on camera? <laughs> oh, I could easily do that, dude. I can pound turkey. By the way, I eat turkey year round. I eat ground turkey, turkey burgers, turkey tacos. Uh, I eat uh, turkey tenderloin cooked in the thing, <laughs> pulled turkey. <laughs> Guess what? What else do you want? Turkey quesadillas after Thanksgiving. Okay. I believe all of that except for turkey tacos. <laughs> Dude, I, I eat turkey tacos every week. I take ground turkey and I cook it in the pan with the taco seasoning. Hi. And guess what? So far, hold on. So far in this podcast, we have you mentioning your healthy nuts at the beginning of the, the, the beginning of the show. Then in the interview with Quincy, telling everybody that you're working out, and now to make sure that everybody knows that you don't eat disgusting ground beef, you're letting them know <laughs> that you're a much healthier person that enjoys turkey. Tacos. Listen, I ha- I don't eat. Gr- I I'll have a burger when we go out, but in my house, it's turkey everything. So guess what? There's people. You know, t- turkey's not good. Okay, excuse me. You know, chef whatever on whatever trendy hot bun Korean food you want to serve for Thanksgiving. If you want to have a bunch of ridiculous Thanksgiving items, I, I'm all for it. But you should have the basics. You should have turkey. You should have mashed potatoes. You should have that weird sweet potato thing, you know, with the marshmallows, which I don't even like. But guess what? When I have people over for Thanksgiving, I make it. And maybe what else is it? You know, stuffing or dressing, as Nick calls it. Um, Stuffing's great. Right. I just Googled turkey is bad just to see if I could get some of these takes that he was talking about. And I got to something and it's all the country turkey is a bad ally. No. Okay. 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 Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to pull something up right now. You're going to be like, okay, here we go from USA today. Oh boy. Which one do you want? You know what? We're going to go with chow hound because chow hound's got a thing from 2007 They've got, Bustle's got something. Eight reasons eating turkey on Thanksgiving is overrated and we should stop living a lie. Okay. I've got it. Yeah, I've seen a whole bunch of these too, man. Here we go. Can we all just admit that turkey sucks from – looks like that's a Reddit thread. Okay, so listen and to this. Makes, this is most, I'm reading this Bustle post. This is the most – this is why people hate millennials. I got news for you, including – which includes all of us. Uh, you, just, the, hold on, you can't just decide that the person that wrote this is a millennial. Like you can't just like yes, – can. that could be a 50-year-old man. Oh, yeah. Laura, Lara Rutherford Morrison. I'm sorry. I assume she's a millennial. <laughs> My bad. Sorry, yeah, you Lara. Are. Okay. <laughs> Number one, it takes approximately four months to defrost. And then she has a gif from what appears to be 30 Rock. I can't really tell. Of Tina Fey. Okay. Comedy. So that, that's a horrible excuse. It takes maybe a day. Number two, it's a lot of effort. That's the number two reason turkey's overrated. It's a lot of effort. And the the number one millennial. uh, Right, exactly. You guys do realize that you are both also millennials. Yeah, I know. What? Okay. We we didn't hear what you said because you cut out. Number three, it's hard to make a turkey that's actually good. Okay, well, maybe if you don't know how to cook, Lara. I know how to cook fine and turkeys are great. Number four, you're going to spend all day cooking something. If you're going to spend all day cooking something, there are so many more awesome things you could make. Okay, so what, let's hear your suggestions. She doesn't list one suggestion of what else you could make. That, oh, last year for Thanksgiving, my husband and I, who were having our little celebration on our own, spent all day making slow-cooked ancho chili braised beef short ribs. And it was amazing. 
That's not more work than turkey. Uh, that sounds like something that our girl Lara made in a crock pot. Off with her. This uh, I found. A, I found a pro. I found a pro turkey article in Esquire where this man called the turkey the Maharaja of meat, which I love. Yeah, exactly. Okay, number five. But tur- but cooking cooking a turkey is basically crock potting. With that, you just you just th- put the thing together and throw it in the oven yeah. all day. That's a that's what you do with a crock right. pot. The pro tip is you go to the store and you buy that bag. You put the bag over it. You don't even have to baste it or anything. Uh, it costs like a dollar twenty nine. Let's finish this list. Number five. If you don't want to spend a lot of time and effort cooking, there are still a lot of other tastier things you could make. We we don't have any solutions here. Okay. Oh, here we go. Here we go, Rob. This one's right up your alley. Because vegetarians shouldn't be trapped in turkey tradition either. Okay, wait a minute. Is she suggesting that you should have a vegetarian option, which I'm okay with, or is she suggesting that we should like have a tofurkey? Here she said. Yeah, here she says. A lot of people who serve turkey at Thanksgiving feel obligated to serve a turkey substitute to their vegetarian friends and family. Guess what? I don't. We have a vegetarian. Why is that up my alley? Listen, <laughs> what what is the king of putting words in people? <laughs> I am not vegetarian, nor have I ever been a vegetarian. Oh, here we go. Listen to this. I know tofurkey. I'm not a vegetarian or vegan, and I can't speak for people who are, but I would suspect that there are quite a few of them who'd love to give up fake turkey as much as we meat eaters would love to give up the real thing. We don't want to give up the real thing. Get out of here. Number seven. No, Number seven. It's Jeez, How long is this list? Wrap it up, Larry. And they're all the same reasons. Yeah, it's, it's really like all about part. the sides anyway. And then number eight, the worst, the last and final one. This is why I wanted to read the whole list. It's fun to challenge tradition. No, it's not. It's not fun. It's a nightmare. It's like when I go to a party. Oh, here. Oh, it's <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. We don't have pumpkin pie. We have, you know, mince meat with sriracha sauce in it or something. I don't want that. Just make the normal food. If you want to be a lunatic and fly in the face of tradition, guess what? Don't celebrate Thanksgiving and just, you know, eat a whatever you eat, some kale soup or something. You should host a podcast with my grandfather. (laughs) Guess what? Hey, you guys could just talk about all this newfangled tradition is just a pain in your butt just for hours. Listen, I don't have a problem eating whatever you want, but it's like I'm not saying we eat turkey one day a year and now we're saying that's too much. Is is that right? (laughs) Right? That's what we're so saying. The next step after this is, what's the deal with all this new fancy coffee? Whatever okay, happened so to just being able to get a coffee, listen, a regular let coffee. T- let me tell you something, Rob. We know that That's you- the next step. Okay. Well, go back and listen to some of your rants, uh, Dating Pack, which you know are much similar to uh, to that than my uh, – this is an authentic rant off the dome. <laughs> it's off the dome or off the, or off the podcast idea sheet. Well, yeah. I wrote it on the sheet because I produced the prep work. Um, by the way, we've got no new, we somehow lost an iTunes review. We're down to 46. So what's going on, people? Somebody went and deleted it. I used to like this show. Now I don't. Someone hates the show. All right. Last but not least, no crazy story for me this week because, uh, we just went really long, but I am going to read something. As some people know, Rob excludedly, uh, you know, I, me and medical bills don't get along very well. Right. I tell them the truth. I don't pay medical bills. There there you go. (laughs) He does not pay medical bills. Like, he just doesn't pay them. Just nope. Okay, here's – I do – He says, when you eat as much turkey as I do, I'm the picture of of clean (laughs) health. I don't need to be paying medical bills. Quincy and I are working out – Quincy only shows – I see he shows up once a week and he's – or once a month and he's in way better shape than me. I don't know what he's doing because I'm there 
four to five days a week and I can't lose any weight. But so here's the rule with me and medical bills. When I'm there and you say, <laughs> you say, hey, Mr. Womack, it's going to be, you know, 2872 is what you owe after your insurance. I hand you the money and I pay. After that, our relationship's over. Okay. It's like when I go to the grocery store and buy groceries, I pay what they tell me. And if they call me later and say, hey, you owe us. $15 for that ground turkey. I want to be like, sorry, you had your chance to get yeah, it. Those are already my tacos. So right. Yeah. Like, I'm already having turkey tacos. Um, so that's, it's amazing to me that you get away with this. Well, listen, boy, uh, I, as some people might know, I have a lot of issues with my teeth uh, from growing up in the mountains and not having fluoride and not getting them sealed when I was a kid. And they spilled over into my life. I have all types of Day, you know, dental issues all the time. So I've been going to the dentist. One dentist sends me to a specialist. He sends me to someone else, get a 3D scan. So I end up at this entodontist, okay, right here down the street from my house, which by the way, I had to pay for parking and they didn't validate. I go in there. They tell me, oh, well, you know, it's going to be 157 to 50. It's, it's 350, your insurance pay half, you pay half or whatever. I say, okay. I said, this is all I'm paying. I said to the people, I said, this is how much I owe. This is what I'm paying. And they said, yeah. I said, I'm not going to get a bill from you later. No, no, no. Well, guess what? I get a bill for $157.50. I obviously ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. So here we are 90 days obviously. out. And I get this letter in the mail. Dear Mr. Woody Womack, as you know, your account is more than 90 days past due. At this time, your balance of one fifty-seven fifty is past due. Yeah, you said that the first time. Uh, <laughs> payment has not been received as of the date of this letter. And now here we go. For one reason or another, you've been unwilling to proceed with payment. Therefore, we have no choice to begin more aggressive action. Our office will accept Visa MasterCard, right? Then they say, then they say, you know, oh, if you don't pay in ten days, you're going to get a late fee. And the last line, our boy has to get another shot in. Please pay your balance now so we can avoid any further action, which will be unpleasant for both of us. Sincerely, the dentist in question. Is he? Uh, w would you view those as veiled threats? Aggressive action and unpleasant for I both? Think, of it's like a mob murder. Yeah, it definitely has that hue. I think he's threatening – I think his wording is bad. I think he's threatening collection agency maybe, which I am just completely – just – I cannot believe that you have not been sent to a collection agency before since you've, you've never paid a medical bill in your life, have you? Well, no. Guess what happens when a collection agency calls? Uh, maybe what? maybe 10 years down the line, I'll settle for like 15 cents on the dollar. But <laughs> 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 well, I guess what? My credit score is over 700. So take that, Doc. I'll, you want to make it unpleasant? I'll make it unpleasant for you. That's right. So I, I am really like – I'm amazed by a lot of things about you because I think you're a legitimately interesting and insane person, and that's why I think why we're friends. But this might be one A is like the weird Woody things is the I don't pay medical bills thing. Well, I offered to pay. They took my card and ran it. Why do I owe more money now? Well, but business operates that way. I'll tell you what colleges. I always laugh when K State hits me up for money. It's like I gave you a whole bunch of money for a degree. I'm not going to donate just because. Right. <laughs> Exactly. All right. We're way long. Uh, anyway, that wraps it up for this week. Please leave us a review on iTunes. And guess what? May contribute to my GoFundMe to pay my dentist bill. <laughs> 30 years of back medical bills. Guess what? I'd be better off asking for money for my dentist bill than these people asking me to, to pay for their dog surgery on Facebook, which we've talked about in the past. 
And if you sell enough sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. All right. (laughs) Leave us a review on iTunes. We'll be back with another episode next week. M Deuce, play us out.